I love this about God. He knows the details of our lives before our lives ever begin. Acts 15 and 18 says this, known unto God are all of his works from the beginning of the world. All of his works from the beginning of the world. Did you get that? Isaiah 46 and 10 also tells us that God declares the end from the beginning. And that is hugely comforting to me. And I think it should be to you because it means that even though you might be in some difficult places, God already knows how that's going to turn out. You hadn't figured it out yet, but God has. And he's already on the other side of it waiting for you. And as it was in Joseph's life, God has a plan for your life. I truly believe that. I'm going to say a couple of things here that might not be of interest to you, but it it is absolutely fascinating to me. Uh, It's interesting that the, the cross is made like this with a vertical component and a horizontal component. Well, the vertical component is God. The horizontal component, in my mind, is people. It's God reaching for mankind. So especially in what I do, I love God, I love people. And I want to learn as much about God as I can. And at the same time, as much about people as I can. Now, granted, you'll never figure everybody out. I hadn't even figured out the guy that looks at me in the mirror in the morning yet completely. But I am trying. And there were three well-known Jewish psychologists that came from Vienna, Austria. You've heard of them, no doubt. And one of them was Sigmund Freud. And um, these, three, these three Jewish psychologists all knew each other. They were roughly, they overlapped and were contemporaries, at least to, for some portion of their lives. Now, Freud believed everything you do is driven by an internal will to pleasure. That's what's driving you. He was an atheist. Another was Alfred Adler. And Alfred Adler believed that you're driven not by the will to pleasure, but by a will to power that you want control in your life. And even to the extent that some people try to control those around them. He didn't believe in the God that we believe in as we know him either. So for practical purposes, the first two were atheists. The third was a man that I greatly admire. His name was Victor Frankl. He was a concentration camp survivor when it was in three different concentration camps in World War II. Lost his mom, his dad, his wife, a brother, a bunch of other people he loved. And Viktor Frankl didn't believe that people are driven by the will to pleasure or the will to power. He believed they're driven by the will to meaning. That people are searching for meaning in their lives. And they all develop their own school of psychotherapy. Viktor Frankl, this is a form of, of cognitive therapy that he developed called logotherapy. Now, it's way more than you want to know. But, but it's important because I'm going to talk to you today about the fact that your life has meaning And one of the greatest needs that exists out there, the reason I believe there are all these these violent acts is people feel like they have no value in their lives. They're not adding anything to this world. They're angry. They're mad. All of the breakup of marriages, kids feel abandoned. They're raised in dysfunctional homes. I was raised in one. 
And, and you see these kids grab guns and do, go do crazy things, but we keep trying to address a part of the problem that I don't think is ultimately going to fix it. You can take everybody's gun away, but if you don't fix the emptiness on the inside of people, I don't think you're really dealing with the problem. You're trying to treat cancer with an aspirin. It's just not going to fix it. Amen. And one of the biggest needs that people have is to know their life matters. They, they have a reason for being here. And you add all that stuff on, as you've heard me say before, until somebody they evolved. Which, by the way, I don't know if you're keeping up on all of that in science. But they have made so many revolutionary discoveries that nobody out there that is serious believes in Darwin's theory of evolution the way he presented it anymore. Life is too complex and we haven't been here long enough for anything to evolve, have evolved. And all you educators, take a good listen to Dr. John Lennox, uh, who holds three PhDs and has served as professor of advanced mathematics at Oxford University for many years. Listen to some of the stuff they, they have pointed out or Dr. Michael Behe. And um, it, it's quite amazing. I said all of that. Because, like I said, I, I, I don't really think that you're, you're that interested in that, but you are interested in the effect it has on you. And if you got kids and grandkids, I can promise you, you're watching them wondering, what in the world can I do? Because the parents I, I'm in touch with these days are looking for somebody to invent a pill that will put their kid to sleep at the age of 12 and they will feed them intravenously until they reach age 24. Amen. You just get them through that rough patch. You know what I mean? And people need meaning. I'm saying that and I'm joking. But everybody has purpose. Victor Frankl's theory was there is meaning for every life. And he said there is a meaning giver. So he believed in God. Joseph had meaning for his life. But he didn't, he didn't see it initially when, until the dreams came. But then what he didn't see was the betrayal of his brothers. The pit from which he would be pulled out of and sold into slavery. He didn't see their jealousy, their anger. He thought they would be all on board and rejoice with him because his life had value. Do you Have you lived long enough to realize not everybody rejoices when you rejoice? Have you figured out there are some folk that are perfectly happy to let you be miserable the rest of your life? Amen. And Joseph dreamed dreams that upset his brothers. Joseph didn't know when he dreamed those dreams that he would end up spending a sizable number of years in Egypt or in prison. And when we have dreams or begin to search for purpose in our lives, we often don't see the problems that are going to come as a result of that either. I want you to get one thing fixed in your mind, if I may say it like this, that problems are actually the pain you feel as you birth destiny and opportunity. Jesus said, a woman, when her time has come, has sorrow, referring to labor pains. But as soon as that child is born, she straightway forgets her labor pains. 
for joy that a child has been birthed. That's what Jesus said. And when you're birthing something, you go through pain. And what you need to understand is that in everything somebody in this building might be facing right now, God is going to use that for his glory and the furtherance of his kingdom if you will be fully submitted to God and continue to believe him. God gives us dreams to show us that our lives have meaning. Now, you may have never dreamed a dream at night that you can say clearly, definitively was from God, but you've got other dreams. Dreams you've dreamed with your eyes wide open in the daytime. And if you want to know the truth, the people that are most dangerous to the devil are not those that dream at night. It's those that dream during the day. I want you to hear me. And God gives you those dreams for even another reason. And he gives you those dreams so that they will, will help you continue to move forward when everything within you is saying, I just hit a wall. I need to back up and go a different direction. Because any pursuit, and we're talking about pursuit, the pursuit, and this includes the pursuit of God. Any pursuit you engage in that is worth devoting your time to, there is an enemy that's going to try to oppose you. I wish somebody said amen. The enemy is not happy about God's plans for your life. Now, he doesn't know what they are. Because unlike God, he's not omniscient. He doesn't know everything, but he knows God. And he's had countless eons from eternity past to watch God operate and kind of get to know who God is. And he knows this. He knows God is good. And he knows God don't waste his time making anything unless he's making it for a reason. And he didn't waste his time with you unless God intended for you to be here for a purpose. And so he knows by that, I better get busy. And when I see this person moving in a direction that indicates there's a threat to me and my kingdom, I'm going to fight tooth and nail to try to stop them. You need to know that's just the way it is. And Joseph, to be able to get to where he was going first, had to get through it. I need somebody to say, I need to get through it. I need somebody to say it again. I need to get through it. And let me ask you, I'm serious. Has God brought anyone in this building through anything? Amen. Have you ever survived something you should not by all rights have survived? Have you come through something when everybody counted you down and out? But by God's amazing grace, you're still here. You're still getting up on a Sunday morning, coming to the house of God. You're going to get up tomorrow. You're going to pursue your future, your career. You're building a marriage. You're building a future. You're raising a family. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. You received a promise from God. And then you encountered opposition. David said it like this. Psalms, the 23rd chapter, the fourth verse. Yea, though I walk. I didn't hear you say it. Through. 
the shadow of death. You got to get through it. I will fear no evil for you are with me and your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Isaiah 43 verses two through three says this, when, not if, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. Hallelujah. Did you see that pass through? I'm not moving in to stay in the middle of the flood. I'm passing through. And when you pass through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. And when you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flames scorch you. Somebody ought to shout, I'm getting through it. I'm getting through it. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm getting through it. Hallelujah. And it says, for I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel. Anybody in this building that you survived everything the enemy could throw at you, (laughs) including the kitchen sink, anything else he could get his hands on. But guess what? You're getting through it. You didn't think you would when you first got started, but here it is day nine or day 90 or day whatever. You're still on track because nobody can snatch you out of his hand. He that keeps you will neither slumber nor sleep. That's a promise of the scripture. You're still here. And Joseph had to get through some things. He had to get through the jealousy of his brothers. He had to get through their betrayal. He had to survive the pit and get through that. He had to get through being sold into slavery. He had to get through the ordeal in Potiphar's house and the temptation that he faced. And then the lies that were told about him because he would not... Yield himself to that temptation. He had to get through the years in prison. But he got through it. And getting through it. Is what God wants somebody in this house to hear me say this morning. I've often quoted Andre Krauss. Because I think it's one of the best gospel songs ever written. But through it all. I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God. You know what you've been learning while you walk through it? You've been learning about the grace of God. You've been learning about the faithfulness of God. You've been learning that a thousand may leave you, but God never will. He's always there. But after Joseph got through it, he had to get over it. And so do we. We go through things that affect us very deeply and wound us profoundly. They scar us. They scar us emotionally. They scar us in terms of our, our, our thought processes. We even, our thinking can give it, even get off track. We can, we can go through things like a divorce that make us feel we don't have any value, that nobody is ever going to want us. I keep remembering the story of that rock that was sold on the southwest side of town at that flea market. Y'all know the story? There was a rock for sale for $10. Just one of those rocks in a bin of rocks. And somebody came along who knew what it was. 
It was a star sapphire. And they got the guy down from $10 to $5. And they bought it. And if I remember correctly, it was the largest star sapphire ever found in the history of the world. And was worth $10 million. And the guy that sold it for five went to court and tried to get a bigger cut. And the court said, you should have recognized the value when you had it. Am I talking to somebody? Don't you let life make you think you have no value. I'm preaching to somebody right now. I feel the Holy Spirit in this place. The rejection you have faced, that's not a statement about you. That's a statement about the guy selling the thing to begin with. Didn't see the value in what he had on that table. Amen. And we go through things that strip us of the awareness of our own value. And they wound us. We We suffer abandonment issues. They go all the way back. They're deeply ingrained within us. We don't even know where these insecurities come from sometimes. We're reacting to stuff that was put in us many years ago. But it isn't enough to just live through that. The word that I want to tell somebody today is God wants you to get over it. That is not a lack of sympathy. It is out of great compassion that the Lord would like like for you to know he can heal you no matter what the wound looks like. He can help you recover. He wants to heal you of the pain that you have experienced. And there isn't a story in the Bible that better illustrates this fact than the story of Joseph. And I'm going to get to that part of that verse that I I was talking about when I began. There's not a story in the Bible that illustrates God will help you get through it and then help you get over it better than the story of Joseph. Because Joseph was not an Egyptian. Joseph was a Canaanite. He was one of the Hebrews that lived in the land of Canaan. That clan had only started three generations prior to that. And I mean, it wasn't even that big a clan. And Joseph is carried away as a slave. And then suddenly in a moment of time in literally in one day, he is elevated from being a prisoner in the jail to being the second in command and what was the, the greatest empire, even to this day, they still claim the greatest empire of ancient times was the, was the empire in Egypt. And Joseph became second in command. I'm talking about like that's turning in your old car with, with primer paint on the fender that you can hear from a half mile away. Because the muffler's hanging underneath and it's skipping. And that's like getting suddenly a Bugatti in exchange for what you've been driving around. Amen. Joseph went from the prison to the throne. I need somebody in this building to realize that when God elevates you, it doesn't take him all day to get you elevated if you will just live through it. And learn to get over it. Am I preaching to somebody in this house? Hallelujah. Not only that, he was the second youngest of Jacob's 12 sons. And he became head of the entire clan. 
He never should have been given that privilege. That went to the oldest son. But it was given to Joseph instead. That just shouldn't have happened. None of these things should have occurred to somebody that was just the son of a sheep herder. A shepherd from Canaan. I just wonder, is there anybody in the building other than me that you say, I shouldn't even be here if, if I had gotten what it looked like I was going to get when I was coming up. I don't even deserve to be here. It's nothing but the goodness of God. It's the grace of God. If you're like me, I was raised with marsh mud between my toes in southwest Louisiana. But by the grace of God, God found me south of Lake Charles and lifted me up. And I'm talking to some of you that God had to reach way down to find you. But you're here because he, he, he located you. Hallelujah. Somebody ought to take a moment and give God some praise in this house. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Is there anybody that can say thank you, Lord, because I don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. I don't deserve the grace of God. Just a moment longer. I don't deserve the mercy of God. I don't deserve what God did for me. I'm the first to tell you that. Deserves, they really don't. Like old Clint Eastwood said, deserves got nothing to do with it, little Bill Daggett. If you don't know the reference, you miss the greatest Western of all times. Amen. But listen, I don't deserve what God's done in my life. I don't deserve the favor of God that I live with every day. I, I live under Blessings that are greater than I could ever earn. Hello, somebody. I'm talking to people who will understand this. I don't even deserve to be alive right now. I've been in eight different accidents and 33 surgeries, but, but God brought me through it and now I'm over it. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, y'all just forgive me for a moment because I feel like I gotta give him some praise in this house. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm such a crybaby. I am. I used to have a hard heart till God got a hold of me. And he changed me. I come in services. I get embarrassed. I come up here. I, I embarrass myself. I go to crying and carrying on. But when I think of the goodness of God and all he's done for me, my soul cries out. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank God for saving me. Bless his name. Bless his name. Hallelujah. Thank you. God's touching somebody right now. Go ahead and give him your praise. 
Go ahead and let your praise loose. Go ahead and give him glory. If God brought you through something and you know it was God, you ought to be giving him thanks right now. You ought to be letting him know. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Wounded, yes. Scored up, yes. But I'm still here. I'm still walking forward. I'm still in the fight. I'm still in the struggle. I'm still in the pursuit of God. Just, just a moment. I'm sorry. I, I, I got to finish this up. Joseph had to get through it and then over it. And the problem is some people never do get over it. You live with it the rest of your life. And that's not good. But finally, Joseph had to get beyond it. When Pastor Andrew preached not long ago, and I thought he did such a great job. He talked about we encounter things and we, we, we do some things that work against us. And he said, first, when people wrong us, we nurse it. And then he said, we rehearse it. You know, nurse it. Like, don't you touch that. I, I, I was wounded. Don't touch that. that. That's tender. And then we rehearse it and we play the recording back over and over and over uh, one of my ministry sons went home to be with the Lord a couple of years ago, and I still have his last two voice messages on my phone. And um, I, I, I won't erase them because every once in a while, I'll just listen to his voice. Kent, Pastor Kent Brown, dear, dear son in ministry to me. But, and so I'll, I'll play that over. But you know what many of us do? We don't play things like that. We play the story over about who did us wrong. You know, play me another somebody done me wrong song. Like the, I got nowhere. I actually like country and western. Can I make a confession? I guess I've lived through enough. I relate better than I ever did. You know, my goodness. Well, some of the new stuff anyway. But that cry yourself into an alcoholic stupor stuff of the past I never liked. But, and so I stopped listening years ago. But there's some actually some pretty good Christian artists out there these days. And, but one of the things I don't like is when we, we sing stuff about, you know, we, we keep alive what happened that was hurtful. It's not what Paul said in Philippians 4, 8. He said, whatsoever things are good, think on those things. Pastor Andrew said, instead of nursing it and rehearsing it. Every time we see you, oh, God, I know what you did to me. Never let it go. Some of us are still living back in 1980. Some of you weren't even born in 1980. So you're living in 1985. The whole point is, don't keep rehearsing it. Because we rehearse it, we nurse it, we rehearse it. And Pastor Andrew said, what we ought to do is immerse it in the blood of Jesus. Pray. And then we should curse it, which is to take away its ability to hurt us. 
I reject that in the name of Jesus. That was the enemy working against me. By God's grace, I'm whole, I'm entire, I'm healed, I'm well, I'm strong. And then number three, we should disperse it, which means shake it off. Somebody just do this and look at your neighbor and say, we're going to shake it off today. Would you do that? Shake it off and let it go. Amen. And then that's how you reverse it. You turn a curse into a blessing. You cause God's favor to open over your life. I'm not done, but that's as far as I have time to go. So I want our prayer counselors to come. Have I helped anybody this morning? Then tell somebody... Let's get through it. Tell them, let's get through it so we can get over it and then get beyond it. And that's what Joseph did because he told his brothers, he said, am I in God's stead that I'm going to judge you for this? I'm not God. May look like it, Being second in command in this empire and all this gold and this vast wealth of this kingdom. You may think I'm right up there, but I'm not. And one of the things that helps us when we're going through things is to remember there's still a God who sits on his throne. That's much bigger than we are or anybody else in our lives. And Joseph said, I'm not God, not in God's stead. And he said, besides... You meant it unto me for evil, but God meant it for good. But he didn't stop there, as I pointed out. He said, this happened that God could save many people alive as it is this day. That's what struck me about that verse. Is that when I get through it, I'm going to help somebody else. If I make it and I shouldn't have, somebody else is going to be blessed by that other than me. If I get through it and over it and beyond it, I can reach back and bring somebody else from the same thing or something similar. Would you stand with me across the building? Every head bowed, please. Could I see the hands of those who need the Lord in their life? Raise your hand right where you are. I need God. My God, hands everywhere. Yes, I need God. I need God. God bless you. God bless you. If you're home and watching this online and you need God right where you are, bow your head with me and let's pray this prayer together. Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Save me. Deliver me, set me free. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. I I make a decision right now. I don't want to do this thing called life without you anymore. I want you. I need you. I need you every day. I need you in the good times as well as the bad times. I love that about Joseph that when... It did flip around. He didn't forget about his God. Be second in command, Lord, and still recognize you as being the source of his life. Love that. Love that. And Lord, I will honor you as my Lord.
and Savior. And my God, blessed or not, until I get blessed. And then I'm not going to forget you then either. And so I'll receive you now. I ask you to forgive me of every sin. There are many. All of my failures and flaws, too numerous to count. But you see every one of them. And I ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Let's give God some praise in this house. Come on, let me hear you lift up your voice. Celebration. Celebration.